0: This is Body Talk, where we explore your inner universe. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Body Talk, where we're going to be talking with Bernie Landels. And before we get to that, I just want to read you something from her website, because I think it makes a great introduction to today's show. Imagine if every child was a rocket with a blueprint and a course set for the stars we would want the best structure, design and rocket fuel to help get them there. With their feet as launch pads, it is important every child has the best start and that their feet in bodies are well-maintained throughout the years. And that's exactly what we're gonna be talking about with Bernie and her new book, Finding Their Feet. So let's get right to this episode of Body Talk. Hi and welcome to this week's installment of Body Talk and today I'm really happy to have author structural integrator and my friend Bernie Landles, who just published a fantastic new book for parents and babies but parents mostly because the babies can't read yet. It's called Finding Their Feet, Every Parent's Guide to Milestones in Movement. Bernie welcome to the show.
1: Thanks David, great to be here.
0: Yeah I think this is such a an important topic because in general, uh, I think parents aren't quite sure what to do with their babies physically. They they don't want to break them. Um, And I'm just wondering, where did the genesis of this book start for you?
1: Well, I guess the idea came out of a lockdown when I couldn't work as a structural integrator. So what do I do with my time? And Uh, I was banned from doing any projects around the house, because I think I'd done all of those. And the idea came from a colleague who said, well, instead of doing any more study, why don't you write a book? Because that's study in itself. So I was actually going to write about the adult foot, because I've seen time and time again, people presenting to me in clinic where the issues lay down the bottom of their body in a place that they'd actually forgotten existed. And... But then as I started researching, it was like everybody's written about the feet, or more people are writing about the feet these days, the adult foot. Mm -hmm. And even to the point of the evolution of how we walk. But no one had really written about the infant foot and how it grew. And And so I sort of changed direction, thinking, well, for sustainable change, and we're all about sustainability these days, Mm -hmm. For sustainable change, what if I worked and taught people about the growing foot? So to start with, you know, mums and dads and caregivers and those working with the little people and open their eyes to this amazing uh, thing down the very bottom of our body, uh, it was sort of a no-brainer in the end.
0: I have to say I'm really impressed. So for uh, for the listeners... There'll be links in the show notes, as always. But the the book has a lot of great science in it, evolutionary biology, uh, fun things to do with your baby if science isn't your bag, and it, it has a really great sense of humor about it, too. So I, I just assume this is something you've been working on for years and years, because it's very thorough. It's very thorough.
1: Well, you can thank lockdown for that. And I had a, a publishing coach work with me and she kept me on task. So in the beginning, I was sort of pumping out a, a chapter a week. If you think about your 40 hour working oh, week. That's, I yeah. was, and I was just really doing brain dumps and, and sending her the material and she'd say, right, shut that chapter off, go on to the next one. And uh, we got to probably midway through last year and I went, you know what, I've actually, I think I'm done. I've, I've written as much as I can. So she sent it off to a uh, an editor who was a young mum, which was fantastic. Oh
0: my goodness, and yes.
1: The, the way I described this process was that I gave her my big box of Lego and it was just a mess. And mm-hmm. she sorted it into colours for me. And so gave it back to me in this beautifully organized structure from which I was then able to grow and add in more of the science and the research, because it was, it was a lot clearer. Uh, so that, that was my, you know, having grown up with Lego myself and with my boys, uh, it was a, a, quite a perfect analogy.
0: That's what a good editor does is they take what you've got and they better organize it with the reader in mind. Yeah. So kudos to Udos for having a, a really good editor in that regard. So if, for the listener out there, uh, who let's say they're, they're a new mother and, and or father, because I think fathers are more worried about breaking babies than mothers. Would you say that's probably true?
1: I would say that's true. Yeah.
0: Where should they start with their baby and with movement and understanding how babies need to feel the world with their feet? Uh, not just with their hands and putting things in their mouth,
1: well, David, it actually starts from conception, and I think that's why I've focused the book from womb to walking uh, mm-hmm. because as that um, the fetus develops, as the baby develops in the womb, they are already reaching out. So uh, like kicking. they're kicking, and you you feel those kicks, yeah and and mm-hmm. you can respond by touching the belly. Uh, and so you get that connection starting to happen. So the baby is already reaching out and kicking. And they want, and they're searching for that stimulation uh, to, to know where their extremities are. So once the baby's born, and look, when I had my first boy 22 years ago, I'd never held a live baby before. Well, live baby? I'd never <laughs> held a baby before. No. Um,
0: we know what you mean, we know what you mean.
1: Yeah, and, and so I was really nervous. Sure. Yeah. So I, I understand what that's like for new parents to hold this thing that you think is so fragile in your arms, you know, particularly um, guys with big hands, mm-hmm. you know, they only really need one hand sometimes to hold this little uh, creature that they've, they've made. Yeah. Um, plus, so it's, knowing yeah. That it, it's knowing that you're not going to break them. hmm Uh, and you work within the bounds of their movement. So you don't force anything. And it's not like you're going to grab, like you'd grab a hammer Mm -hmm. to bang a nail in. It's, you know, that's a a sort of a a loose grip. Yeah, you're not gripping it tightly. It's, It's that sort of thing. You don't want it to fly out of your hand, but you just want to be able to support it. And so holding is one aspect so you don't necessarily need movement to start with but holding in your hands holding skin to skin and engaging with every part of the body so touching the feet letting them touch your hand touching their hands and looking at that lovely little grasp reflex where you put your thumb in their palm and the fingers curl around and just hold on for dear life and That's actually part of the journey I went on, um, talking about the grasp reflex, is I discovered primitive reflexes. I'd known about a few, but there's 18.
0: Yeah, that kind of surprised me too, there's a lot.
1: (laughs) That's a lot, and and we don't know about them. You know, medical people know about some of them, and those that um, are more interested know more. But as a parent, why don't we know about these reflexes? Because we should because that's the body, that's the, the brain, the hind brain teaching this infant body how to move, how to be in the world. It's the involuntary movements and they have to um, sort of emerge, they have to peak. It's like a training regime. And then they get overtaken by voluntary movement and the head writing, their ability to turn their head and look at things. Uh, So there's this missing gap, I think, in parents' knowledge. I wish I'd known that 22 years ago.
0: Yeah, I I mean, there's all these baby books out there uh, in owner's manuals, if you will, but very little of them focus on the rudiments of, of physical education. And one of the things I like about your book, it makes it really accessible to parents out there, is that you break these down into milestones. Could yeah. you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Well, we're all familiar with the milestones. You know, we know that my baby's going to get head control. We know a baby is potentially going to roll over if we give them the opportunity. Most babies will crawl, some will bum shuffle or scoot. Eventually, the the milestone of all milestones is that they will walk. And we're talking physical milestones here. Uh, But nobody's ever written about them or talked about how the body actually organizes itself to get up on two feet.
0: Yeah. And that's something we tend to lose as we get older. So it's probably pretty good if we learned it earlier on. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I looked through a whole lot of parenting books thinking, okay, someone's surely going to be talking about how the baby develops physically. And there wasn't, it was all about breastfeeding, it was about sleep, it was about nappy rash, which are all really useful things, but nothing about the physical development and how we as parents and caregivers can actually support a child's development Because the real, probably the one thing that really came out for me was that this gross motor development, the ability to go through all of these milestones has to happen, it has to teach the brain to then free the brain up for doing the fine motor skills and the high order learning.
0: So in the early years, that's or the early months, that's what your brain is busy learning and the other stuff comes later so if you don't get that piece first you're really going to be at a deficit
1: yeah it's it's like yeah your your brain has to still you know think oh I've I I need to focus on walking because I haven't quite mastered that Uh, but you want me to also talk at the same time Uh, oh how do I do this
0: yeah and I got to breathe too that's like three things at once that's a lot yeah <laughs> so so you actually take this over the span of of almost three years a thousand days right
1: well the thousand days includes from conception okay so it's conception okay. to about two years old
0: mm-hmm. okay because i'm just thinking about parents out there who might be going oh my god what did i get wrong
1: oh, and i reality, want to allay reality. their fears oh Look, David. Part of writing this book, I had waves of guilt coming over me oh, mm-hmm. as I as I was learning and going. Oh, if only I'd known that my boys could have had an easier life.
0: Mm-hmm. Now they're
1: both, you know, functioning adults, but we may not have had the challenges um, and and in later life of anxiety, perhaps some. Uh, my older one had a, a speech impediment. So, you know, would his speech have been clearer if something physically had been different for him?
0: So you have to find a, a specific oh it, connection between that and the movement? What was that?
1: Yeah. What yeah. was it? Um, so it, it lies in the primitive reflexes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean that's a whole other probably podcast in itself.
0: Okay, well, uh, we can bring you back, but can you unpack this one? Yeah.
1: I'm going to give you an analogy. Okay. So you've got all these primitive reflexes that develop into postural, uh, you know, adult postural things. Like I can hold my head up and I can look around the room. So from involuntary to voluntary. If one of those reflexes is what we call retained, if it doesn't fully develop, if it doesn't emerge in the baby experience, this physical uh, learning. So it's like a personal trainer at the gym getting you to do you know, burpees. If you don't learn how to do it correctly, if the brain is held up, you've been to the supermarket and you've pushed a shopping trolley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get that shopping trolley with the bung wheel, the one yes, that just, yes, it and it pulls your shopping trolley to the left or the right. And you're like, oh, and you keep pushing it and you keep pulling it back so it goes straight, but it keeps tugging and pulling you away. And so you use more energy, you use, you know, more effort, and you get frustrated and you get tired and you might get angry. So a retained primitive reflex, so something that hasn't fully developed and matured in an infant, in a baby, if that progression hasn't happened and they've been able to move on to the next, then their life can have a bung wheel. And so they get these challenges where you know, they get distracted or they find it really hard sitting still. Yeah. Um, or speech is a difficulty because the so brain is still trying to do something.
0: The brain's trying to process an amazing amount of reality into something coherent that you can deal with. That that in and of itself to me has always been mind-blowing. So so here's a here's a tangent. Do you see a connection between these primitive reflexes and things like ADHD?
1: Yes. In a nutshell. Uh-huh. There's quite a lot of research out there. Um, it's very hard, though, because uh, sure. to gather this research on little people and see what their life was like before they got perhaps this diagnosis, it, it is difficult.
0: Yeah, uh, and I'm not I'm not looking for the you know for the ultimate theory about that, but I'm I'm just wondering if you have a takeaway from your own research as to how those two things might fit together and are willing to speculate on that.
1: Absolutely. I've undertaken to do some further training in how to work with these reflexes. And through that and with networking with a whole range of different people and research that is being done on school age children, where they are coming to school with a lot more what they call developmental delays, And they're finding the treatment for these developmental delays, and there's a whole spectrum of them, is taking them back and doing the movements of those reflexes, getting them back into their physical bodies, yeah? And allowing that brain wiring to happen.
0: that, That has some crossover into our day jobs as structural okay. integrators because we find these places in the body not just that have been injured but where there is just movement potential that's never been actualized or there's some trauma where a movement maybe should have happened and didn't so then that place becomes frozen so this sounds very similar to me.
1: There is absolutely and that is uh, I guess another reason I'm looking to do this training because there is potential with adults to, you know, you've you've worked with somebody and there's just something there underlying that you just can't put your finger on.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah? And so is it this? Is it the wiring of the brain all those years ago that didn't happen? And can we uh, retrain? We know about neuroplasticity these days. There's so yeah. much more research about the brain. So can we train people, you know? I'd love to talk to yoga and Pilates teachers and say, well, what do you see in class? Do you see people that can't do certain things? What if we took them back and got them doing some uh, pre-movements for them to be able to do the movements that you're asking, for instance?
0: Yeah, think about that neurologically, they're not wired to do that particular movement as opposed to it being a, a deficit. Uh, yeah, are, are putting a judgment on that. and I see I see that in the physical therapy world also.
1: yeah, you know there there's and, something
0: missing there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we're very quick these days to uh, perhaps give it a label, give it a diagnosis People
0: without like your asking label. they just do.
1: Uh, but without asking why? Yes. yeah. why is this happening? Why? Um, and I know as parents, we, you know, why is my child, you know, wriggling around like it's got ants in its pants, or why is it, uh, why has it got colic, or why, yeah, we always ask these why questions, but we perhaps never really get the answers. Um, That's one
0: of my favorite questions to ask therapeutically when somebody comes in, because I get, I, I get a lot of people who get shuttled to me from other professionals since I work in a hospital, and it's like, well, I have IT band syndrome, I have tight hamstrings, I have this, and my question is, well, Why do you have that? You know, the the, the label doesn't tell you how to treat it.
1: Exactly. Not not
0: really. Not really. So my silly question that's on the top of my head is, is you go deeper into this if in a few years we're going to have Bernie's book for big babies, which would be the adult version.
1: Yeah, I'll get you to review that one, David.
0: (laughs) I'm going to be first in line for the workshops you're going to teach, because I'm sure out of those 18 reflexes, there are some that I am missing. I don't know what they are yet, and I'm looking forward to unpacking that some more. So so where did you go to learn about the the, the primitive reflexes? What were your main source tools for that? I'm curious.
1: I guess, I mean, firstly, because it was during COVID, it was online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just whatever research I could find uh, there's a variety of providers. There's a Harold Bloomberg, Moira Dempsey, there's a, a Dr. Robert Malello in the States, um, there's a Musgava, can't remember if that's the way you pronounce it, technique. So there's a variety of ways, they're all documented in my book as to where people can tap into this information. It's- and I will say
0: that for the listeners out there, the, the book is very well documented, but the the documentation doesn't get in the way of the reading experience, which is another thing that I really like about it. And there's there's lots of exercises and uh, things like little breakout boxes with here's something to do with your baby right now. Here's something to do with your baby at this stage or at, at that stage?
1: Yeah, David, I wanted it to be a useful resource rather than just a book giving information. At the various stages from the early on, here is your new baby, what can you do physically with it that's going to benefit the brain, the development, their balance, their vestibular system? So I wanted it to be a hands-on tool. I, I want it to be something that sits you know, on the side of the chair or on the nappy-changing table that they can go, oh, I'm gonna do this now. I've also included QR codes that takes them to my website where they get access to video footage. So I can join them in the living room and teach them how to do leg and foot massage, for instance. So I wanna help parents. That's my mission is to get out there and work with them so that the future generations have a better start.
0: Yeah, and I think it's so crucial right now because, and it's it's a cliche, but I'm going to go there. Uh, we live in a world of screens. Mm-hmm. And with things like Meta and the Oculus Rift, I don't see it getting better. I want it to. And then when you look at the reality of the world out there right now on, on March uh, 28th, uh, 2022. You know what? Es- escaping into an alternate virtual reality where I have some control over my environment and the physicality that I wish I had, um, that's kind of appealing. And I-, I don't see that need changing in the immediate future, which to me makes your book more vital for every parent out there. And I'm thinking about my nephew down the street who their baby just turned one years old.
1: It's not too late. <laughs> <Don't be laughs> in the
0: yeah, no, no, no. They, they, they are getting a copy. That's why I've been so anxious about when's it going to come out? When's it going to come out? When's it going to come out? Because they're very they're, they're lovely parents and they're trying to do everything right. And little Millie, you would love little Millie because she's a very happy, smiley baby. Except when she's not, she's got this look on her face like, let me figure this out. It's amazing how yeah. she has a very, a fairly fully formed personality even though she yeah, can't express it the way we do.
1: Yeah. And I think David, you know, you mentioned like parents do the best they can. Right. You know, I did the best I could with what I knew. And so, you know, I'm not putting any parent down because, you know, it is the toughest job in the world that you will ever have. And you don't get paid, you don't get holiday pay, you don't get sick pay, all those sorts of things. <laughs> and I'm hoping that I can support them. And give them more confidence and empower them, you know, that they can understand the physical development. Uh, they can, you know, see the baby move. They can start to see that, oh, that makes sense. That's the brain building. You know, mm-hmm. this is important.
0: Yeah, yeah. As opposed to, wait, stop, don't do that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Encourage the movement. You know, we're born to move until an adult puts the-, the brakes on you and says, don't do that.
0: From the time we start kicking, I always think about those little, um, they're like the scooters. They're, they're like the, the baby sits in the sling and their feet can reach the ground, but they're kind of supported. So it's like a chair that they can walk around on and there's bumpers around it. I'm getting the feeling those things, they may be convenient for the parents, but they're maybe not so good for the baby. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, so baby walkers, they've actually been banned in quite a few countries. Wow. Mostly because of accidents. Not okay. because of the yeah, developmental issues, sure. I think society has got so busy mm-hmm. that we look for devices to help our, our our ourselves, parents, bring up the children. And you know while we're doing something, it's better to have the baby close to us in something that's contained, so we know where they are, uh, and we can interact with them perhaps at that level, not hands-on, but we put them somewhere. And I do see a lot of that happening. And I was just talking to somebody earlier about going for a walk. And as adults, we put our child in a, a buggy or a push chair and we push them and we go for a walk because it's our walk. Rather than when they start walking, allowing them to walk, okay, it's going to take us 10 times as long to get to the park. But there's learning in that. Yeah, so it's actually getting out of the minds of what's convenient for us, but actually, what's good for them.
0: Yeah, I see toddlers and older sometimes in prams. That's when I turn into my dad. It's like, wait a minute, if you can't walk, we're not going. You know, <laughs> my parents did not push me around once I was old enough to walk. It's just you had to deal with it, right? If I got yeah. super tired, they might carry me, but there was none of this pushing around stuff.
1: Yeah, and and car seats, car seats for are uh, for in cars. Mm-hmm. Period. Full stop. All right. You see so many people come and they take the car seat out of the car and they put it onto the stroller. Ah, Yeah, Or carry the baby inside in the car seat. And Mm -hmm. I was guilty.
0: Sure. Because it's easy.
1: Because it's easy. But the holding your baby, you're carrying your baby, it gives the baby a different experience. It helps develop their vestibular system. It helps... Um, integrate and grow their grasp reflex. You know, all these reflexes are for survival. And if we don't give them the opportunities to use them and to experience them, uh, then we're not, we're not helping them. We're not helping build their brain so that they can then do all the academic stuff that we demand of them earlier and earlier.
0: Parents, if you're listening right now, if you want a healthy baby, brain. You need to work on having a healthy baby body. And Bernie's book shows you how it can actually be fun and not add more pressure to what no doubt feels like an already
1: overburdened
0: uh, list of things that you have to do all the time. And that's another thing that I think is so brilliant about it.
1: And all you need is the floor, your body and the floor. You don't need yep. lots of things. You can have the occasional toy and that sort of thing. For variety, for them to look at, but for them physically growing, they need the floor to be able to on their be-, be on their back, to be on their stomach, to roll, to then eventually crawl, and they need your body and your body on the floor as well, so that they can crawl over you, they can roll on you, they can sit on you, um, and then for you to carry them in your arms. And I'm not saying do it all the time, yeah. Seats and gadgets and things, they're great for when you need them, but don't overuse them.
0: Is there anything else you want to tell parents out there who are curious about your book? Besides, buy it, because I said so.
1: There's a message there for yourselves. You know, have a look at your feet. Can you feel them? Wiggle them, move them, get them out of containers, also known as shoes, uh, and let them be free. And the, the person that can help you the most is actually your baby in front of you. If you get down and do what they do, you will be set up for continuing to move and keeping up with your child. So you learn from each other.
0: Beautiful message and on. Uh, Bernie, thank you so much for coming by Body Talk this week. Ordering information and everything else will be in the show notes. See you next time on Body Talk. Thanks again for tuning in and please don't touch that dial. I really want to thank you today's economy is so much about attention just want to thank each and every one of you listening for making the time to pay attention to this podcast body talk with david lasondack it means so much to me and if you'd like to show your support you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash body radio you can leave a review Give it five stars wherever you get podcast reviews, leave a longer review, leave a narrative review, drop me a DM, let me know how much you're enjoying the show. Those notes that I get from you really mean a lot to me. And I just want to thank each and every one of you for listening and continuing to support the show in whatever way that you can. I'll see you next time here on Body Talk.